0: So let's read the scripture. We're going to pray, and then we're going to see what God has for us today. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 9. It says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. We're going to see how many times we can say those words in this today. Uh, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of circumcision is to them who are not of the circumcision only, who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet had yet had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where there is no law is, there is no transgression. Let's pray. Dear God, we love you. Just the fact that uh, you've allowed us to be here today, that you'd have uh, an unprofitable servant like me standing here, Uh, Just a testament to your goodness and your grace. I pray that as we have a chance today to unpack your word and really kind of focus in on some of these concepts that maybe for some of us may be be uncomfortable, maybe foreign, maybe some of the things we haven't really thought about in a long time. I pray that uh, you would be the teacher today, that you would get me out of the way. I know that I'm unworthy and we've got that established, but you are worthy. And I pray that you'd speak to us and be our teacher. Uh, Give us exactly what we need today. And we'll give you the praise for it. All things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's see what we got here today. So the first thing we want to do, we have three questions that I believe that Paul is trying to address to this church at Rome. The first thing is the question of reckoning. Question of reckoning. Reckoning goes in your blank. Uh, And so the reckoning was by, if you look at the verse again, it was by, was it a question of circumcision or uncircumcision? And so obviously, you know, to get the uncomfortableness out of the way, maybe... Hopefully, everybody knows what this is, but uh, it's the definition of this is a cutting away of the foreskin of a male. Uh, it was significant, and we obviously do this for, um, you know, in our culture for cleanliness and a lot of different things. They were doing it for a specific reason. Number one, because God told them to. Uh, it represents God separating the nation of Israel from other nations, it also represents. For us, the application is that we are removing our sins. God is doing that through a spiritual circumcision that we will talk about through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And so for us and for them, it was representing, separating ourselves unto God. Uh, so when did this first come about? Genesis 17, 10 through 11. Derek, he's got 60 slides today. If he, if he gets off, it's, it's me. It's not him. Okay, So uh, let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, it says, Genesis 17, 10, 11. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised and you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. It shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and and you, Leviticus 12.3, and they did this on the eighth day. It says, in the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Joshua 5.3, when they were had already come, they had crossed the Jordan. They were about to take Jericho. It was required for them to sac- to do the foreskin, for to cut away the foreskin for circumcision. The reason being because a lot of those that had been through the wilderness, after that generation had died away, they had not been circumcised. And so this was a renewing of that covenant for those people that had not done it uh, in the wilderness and so they did this before they went over into Jericho and so we all we good we know what it is now okay we can move on so alright so the next thing we'll look at is faith is reckoned to Abraham for righteousness and we use this word reckoned several times last week or imputed those kind of words kind of go together in other words it was counted for righteousness faith was counted or reckoned to Abraham for righteousness numbers eighteen twenty seven it says, in this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you as though it were the corn of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the wine press. So reckoned means to count. Okay, it just means accounted or put into somebody's account. Uh, 1 Chronicles 9.1. So all Israel were reckoned or counted by genealogies. And behold, they were written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah who were carried away to Babylon for their transgression. Transgression. Four, Psalms 45. I love this verse. It says, many... O Lord, my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy, thy thoughts which are to usward, they cannot be reckoned. In other words, they can't be counted up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So this faith and this righteousness that was imparted to Abraham was it was just an amazing thing. It was counted to him because of his faith. Romans 4.3 says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And so we talked about that extensively last week. So the next question, he asks him, he says, Well, if it's not in the circumcision, when is it? How was it reckoned? It was reckoned in the uncircumcision. Verse 10 says, um, sorry, I skipped you, Derek. Derek, go back to that one second. Verse 10, go back one, sorry. Thank you. For how was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. So it was reckoned to him before he got circumcised. How do we know this? Well, we'll have scripture in just a second. So, But you have to understand, Abraham believed God long before the t- token was ever given to him. Genesis 12, we talked about this last week. He told him to leave, he told him to get out and go to a foreign country. Abraham did that. Genesis 15, he starts. He, he, has this covenant that he makes with him? We talked about last week. It's on the screen, um, and he told him that he was going to give him a promised seed. He was talking about Isaac, uh, and this is before he got circumcised. He hasn't been circumcised yet because it happens in Genesis 17. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, 99 years old. So most of us, when we get circumcised, hopefully it's you know when we're a baby and we don't really realize that. But if you imagine, you know, you're getting to your later years, you're thinking. You know, I got to get circumcised at 99 years old. That's 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 a bad day. I'm just saying. Um, but he did this as well. So uh, it said, that when he was 99. Go to the next one, Derek. If you don't care, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make me covenant um, between well, I will make thee a covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And so this was an awesome thing. Genesis 17. If you go. Kind of break that down. It's got several verses here. Uh, we saw 10 and 11. Go on to the next one, Derek, if you don't care. Uh, it's going to be verses uh, 23 through 27. Yeah, right there. Thank you. It says, And Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all that were born in his house, and all that were bought with money, every male among them, men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the selfsame day as God had said unto him. And Abraham was 99 years old 90 years old and nine when he was circumcised in the flesh of the foreskin and Ishmael his son was 13 years old that's a bad day too uh, when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin And the self-same day I uh, was Abraham circumcised and Ishmael his son and all the men of his house born in the house and bought with money of the stranger were circumcised with him he's already been faithful before this ever happened so the faith that was reckoned to him couldn't have been because of he was circumcised and so you know the reason we're addressing this and the reason Paul has to write it and we've got other scriptures about it here in just a second this mixture of Jews and Gentiles was obviously a problem throughout the church um, why? people are people yeah. uh, now we might not have a debate hopefully in, in this church about circumcision uh, but we sure will have a problem about preferences we might have a debate about styles we might have a debate about uh, you know, our dress as Jonathan talked to me about in Sunday school this morning <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's like a joke if you were in there but um, man, we, we'll, anything that we can have a difference on, that's what we're going to do you know, that's why we have denominations, that's why we have uh, Church of God Church of Christ, Second Church of Christ Second Baptist, First Baptist Pentecostal, you know, all those please find me those words, you know, in the Bible I love it um, you know, we major on the minors so much instead of minoring on the majors, you know uh, and so, you know, circumcision at this point didn't make a hill of beans to anybody in that church. What did matter was their faith. And so, key for us, and first key, because uh, you don't have keys, you, you know, you, know, you got to get some. So, it says, key number one says, just like the early church, we get caught up in having our own identity instead of Christ being identified in us. Think about that. You know, we're so, we want to label everything, right? Well, how about we just label ourselves as followers of Christ? Yeah, how about that? Uh, Acts fifteen one and 2, if you turn there, and, and you know, we're not, nobody's immune to this. Uh, these early churches, these leaders of the church, they weren't immune to it le- either. Acts fifteen one and 2 says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small, what's the next word? Dissension and disputation with them. It uh, happened, happened then, just like it happens now. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Galatians 2, 11 through 16. Uh, you know, For sake of time, we won't read all of it, but the gist is of it. You've got the preacher to the Jews, Peter, and you've got a preacher, preacher to the Gentiles, Paul, clashing because Peter is removing himself. Uh, you know, when, when all the Jews are around, then we're going to get away from the Gentiles when it's time to eat. Um, you know, but when the Jews aren't around, then, hey, let's all eat together. Uh, Peter wasn't immune to it. We're not immune to it either. Uh, so key for us is we have to be let Christ be identified in us and let, let Scripture and the Word of God, you know, be our identity and Christ be our identity and not uh, our labels. The second question that Paul addressed is a question of reception. Reception goes in your blank so if you look at verse 11 again, it says they received the sign. Verse 11 said this, And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. So, you know, for you Bible scholars, you know that Jews, 1 Corinthians 1, 22 says, For the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. So this was God's pattern with his people. He gave them signs uh, you know, for his people, the nation of Israel. Don't go riding around looking for a sign from God because you're not Jewish. Okay? He, this is what he's given to you. This is his revelation right here. You don't need anything else. Okay? Um, that'll preach. I don't care who's up here. So uh, Genesis 9 12 says this. And God said, "This is the token of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you, for per- perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the, and the earth." He was already doing this with Abraham even before he had a people. He was giving them signs. Uh, Exodus 12:13, if you remember in the Passover, it said, "In the blood shall be to you for a token Upon the houses where you are, and when I see the when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Uh, verse 31, 13 of Exodus says, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verify my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that does sanctify you. So, his people needed confirmation. The plagues in Egypt, the signs, all those things were so... He could show them who he was in their lives. Um, they didn't have the word of God like we do. Uh, Gideon, if you remember, Judges 6. And God didn't care. You know, He was fine with this. He asked for the fleece. Remember, he wanted to do on the fleece. He asked for a sign as proof. God did that. Uh, if you remember, uh, in 1 Chronicles 14 with David... You know when he was going to attack the Philistines, God told him He was going to give him a sign in the trees before he went to attack him. Don't do any of this on your own. You wait till I give you the sign. Um, and so, you know, Hezekiah uh, at the end of his life, he asked God to turn the clock, turn the shadow of the sun back. You remember that same thing. God was okay with this uh, for them, not for us. Uh, next thing, He gave him a sign, but then He also sealed them. It had a seal. Of righteousness, uh, Let's look at that again in that same scripture, same passage. Uh, it said that he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised. Look at 2 Corinthians 1.22, if you don't care. Uh, 21.22, it said, Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. Who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts? We talked about this last week. That God, through His Holy Spirit, uh, has sealed us into the day of redemption. We'll have that verse in Ephesians forty. It's on the screen. Or screen Ephesians four thirty. Excuse me. Um, and so, you know, just like He sealed Abraham through that righteousness, He also sealed us. Praise the Lord for that. And then He said, the next thing He says. Uh, and there's really, we could spend probably a week, just a whole passage, just or a whole sermon just on verse 11. He said that he might be the father, Abraham, of all that believe. Hold on a minute. Wait. Abraham's could be, our, he's our father too? Really? That's awesome. Romans 3:22. So father Abraham is the father of all believers. Uh, And, you know, we're going to unpack that a minute. But let's look at Romans 3.22. It says, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all that believe, for there is no difference. Uh, And Jay did a great job unpacking chapter 3 on that. Galatians 3.6-9. I want to read this. It says, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith... The same are the children of Abraham. So, hey, we're all spiritual Jews today. Praise the Lord. Uh, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they, which be of faith, are blessed with faithful Abraham. That's, that's just an awesome, awesome passage there. Let's look at Colossians two eleven 11-12. It says, In whom, Jesus Christ, also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, spiritual baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. So if you're a believer today, when you go to check out your little surgical history, you've had a surgery, whether you know that where you've had your body operated on or not, because Christ has operated on you through a spiritual operation. Praise the Lord. Uh, And so... Jonathan did a great job hitting on this today and, and reading out of 2 Chronicles chapter 30 uh, key, next key for us is as a believer we have gone through a spiritual circumcision but we must also remove all the deeds of our flesh so it can't just be spiritual uh, from a standpoint of Christ doing it 2 uh, Corinthians 7 1 says that we cleanse ourselves right uh, so we have to go through an operation every day on our own uh, every day we have to get our little lab coat on, get our scalpel out, and start removing some of these fleshful things that we do on a daily basis. Colossians three five says this: mortify or kill, therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Uh, so we have a job to do on our own. Hebrews 12.1 says this: wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us, not Christ. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth easily, so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I like this. James one twenty one. Wherefore lay apart. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls you know if you study that superfluity or super, superfluous as, a, as easy for you to say right uh, or easy for me to say but if you study that word out it's an extra body part it's, a, it's a something that wasn't necessary right so we have a lot of sinful body parts in our lives that we need to just start cutting out you know we need, there's, we need to start operating on those things on a daily basis because they're not doing us or anybody else any good. Um, and the next thing we want to see quickly, uh, verse 12, it says, And the Father, a circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who, so, who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had yet being uncircumcised. And I did make a mistake there uh, in your notes. It should be step of that faith. I left out the word that. Um So Abraham, because of his righteousness, because of his faith, because of his belief in what God said, you know, he's given us an example to follow. Uh, Psalm 17, 4 and 5 says this, Concerning the works of men, by the the word of thy lips I have kept me from the paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. Proverbs 2.20 says this, That thou mayest walk in the way of good men. And keep the paths of the righteous. And so, you know, the point being is there's a path that you can follow that's a good path. And there's a path that you can follow that's not a good path. And that's that's real deep preaching for you today. But, I mean, it's that simple. You know, it's, it's that simple. First uh, Corinthians, you know, we should, we should have some people that we can follow in our lives. First 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so, for us, do we live our lives in such a way that we would want somebody following us? That we would have the confidence to say, hey, you follow me. It's it's good, because I'm following Christ. I have no doubt, I have no problem saying that, right? Man, if we could all say that. Uh, If we could all have that kind of testimony that you just follow me and, we're going to be good. Hebrews six twelve says this, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. You mean I can't just slothful? I can't just come to church and just ride it out to the, to the rapture? You can. It's going to be a bad day at the judgment seat of Christ, though. Uh, you know, you're not going to lose your salvation, but you're going, to lose, you're going to lose a lot of rewards that you could have had. Uh, And there is going to, I don't know if you, maybe you've had this, hopefully you don't, because I'm sure we have a lot of overachievers here. Um, You know, maybe you went to awards day or you went to, uh, and so you got your participation trophy, you know, right? And that's all you got. You know, God forbid that for us, we can stand before Jesus Christ and we've got a a participation trophy that we've, here's your Certificate. And have nothing to lay at his feet. Have nothing uh, to say, this is you know, what I've done in your name uh, for your sake, not mine. Hebrews thirteen seven. Sorry, y'all are way ahead of me. There. It says, remember, remember them which have the rule over you, has spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. You know, I'm thankful that I have a man in this church that I can follow. Amen. A man that discipled me. A man that stands up every Sunday and preaches God's word with power and conviction. And I can follow that. And he's laid out an example for each one of us. And so we ought to do the same thing uh, because, you know, we all need to do that. Second Thessalonians 3, 7 says this, For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, but for we have behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. So if you have your leaders in the church that are not behaving disorderly, you know, in front of you, and they're showing you the path to follow, follow them. Because they're going to give an account just like you do. Um, key, Next key for us is we should all surround ourselves with godly men and women so that we can follow in their footsteps. You are who you hang around with. For you young people in this, you know, in here today with us, every time I got in trouble growing up, I was always hanging around somebody I shouldn't have been hanging around. My dad and my mom would always ask me who I was going to be with, and when I would tell them, I would I would see their you know, kind of that you know, they'd start nodding their head like, here we go, here's what's going to happen. Um, well, it can work just the opposite. If you surround yourself with some godly men and women, and you can follow their faith, and then God's going to have some good things laid for you. It, it you know. You, It's good fruit, you know. And so that's if you can get planted around some of those people, then you can't help but yield good fruit. Um, And so our last point, uh, for sake of time, we're going to go on here. It says, number three, the question of reliability. The question of reliability. Let's look at Romans 4, 13. It says this. uh, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world... Was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Let's go and read on. It says, For if they which are the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. And so, you know, Scripture says that let God be true and let every man lie, right? God can't lie. God can't lie. It's not in his nature. Uh, We can, but he cannot lie. And so Paul is addressing this, this question of, well, can I really rely on what God has told me? Can I really rely on the fact that I don't have to get circumcised? Can I really rely on the fact that all it takes is faith in Jesus Christ? And that's really the question. That's why, you know, if you're trying to witness to somebody... Every question under the sun comes up, right? Oh, you know, well, what do I have to do? What, you know, how can I get there on my own? You know, all, it's all it takes is faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. That's all, that's the only thing you can do. Uh, and so for us in our society and in the way we, you know, our culture is, everything's, you know, me, 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 ah, 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 right? It's, it's, we're so center focused that, that's why we're in Laodicea, even as as a church, because we have focused ourselves on Christ, or not on Christ, but on ourselves, even in our churches. And so, we're showing that to the outside world, and then wondering why we're not being effective as witnesses. Uh, You know, well, maybe we should look at ourselves and wonder why we're not. Uh, Verse 13 said it was through the righteousness of faith, um, and not our righteousness, but God's righteousness. Romans three thirty says this: "Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith." We really could have had that verse and probably just been done for today. But uh, you know, Romans nine 8 says this: "says That is, they which are the children of the flesh; these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for seed." Uh, and so. Galatians 3.29, I want to look at that. It says, if, and I love these conditional phrases. Uh, key word there is if. If you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. God cannot lie about this. He can't, it's not in his nature. Hebrews 11.7 said this. The previous verses, verse 6, says what? By fa- you, know, you cannot please him except by faith, right? Uh, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Uh, it's impossible. And so, verse 7 of that same chapter, the faith chapter, says this. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear. When's the last time you moved with fear at the reading of God's word? When's the last time that after hearing somebody stand up here and preach or teach or you know, just having a spiritual conversation. When's the last time that moved you to fear, to change your behavior? And I'm talking to all of us. You know, you know we need to fear. You know, we fear a lot of things in life. But we need to fear the one uh, that controls who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. Who has the keys that says uh, in Scripture. You know, that's who we need to fear. We don't need to fear what men can do to us. We don't need to fear our circumstances. We don't need to fear... The things of this world, we need to fear the Lord. Uh, You know that's the beginning of wisdom. You know for you know for you uh, young people and for old people too. You know we accumulate so much knowledge and useless knowledge. Uh, We could use some useful knowledge by the fear of the Lord. Um, It says by faith, being warned of God. I, I, I didn't finish that verse. I'm sorry. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. It's only by faith, people. Uh, That's the only way we can be made righteous. Verse 14 says this, For if they which are of the law be heirs, another conditional statement, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. So if we have, everybody knows what the word void means, right? That means it's of no use. It means that you know, and I don't think, I don't have anything on this, I don't think, Derek, but um, that means that you write it on your check, void, it's no good. Uh, It has no form. It has, you know, God even, you know, uh, when he created the heaven and the earth, before he did that, it was without form and void in Genesis 1. And so for us, um, our faith is made void if the law can save us. Uh, In other words, you know, Paul put it this way. He said, "He said this is just, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said, this is, if, if we preach Christ and it's in vain, I mean, it's just, that's foolishness. You know, it's the, oh, hey, if you can you think about spending your whole life um, preaching, you know, witnessing, living for the Lord, and then you take a dirt nap, and that's the end of it? Man. How foolish would you feel? But we have the reliability that God, who cannot lie, said that you're going to spend eternity with me if you put your faith and trust in me. And uh, our faith, there's no way it can be void. Look at Galatians 2.21. Uh, actually, I don't have that screen. Turn your Bibles there real quick. we got, we got a few seconds. Galatians 2.21. Gentiles eat pork chops there, so. Buddy Shane, right there. So, um, it says, "I do not frustrate uh, the grace of God. For if the righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain." Uh, can you imagine? I mean, what kind of sick God would send His Son to die on a cross for nothing? If there was nothing, if there was no good to come from it, why would we serve a God that, that would do that to His only begotten Son? Uh, But it wasn't in vain, praise the Lord. Uh, Let's look at Galatians 3.18. If you continue that verse, it says, A promise made of none effect. Galatians 3.18 says this, For if the inheritance would be of the law, it is no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. And God cannot lie. His promises are good. He's faithful and just uh, to carry out exactly every word that is in this book, uh, every letter. Verse 15, and we'll finish up here. It says this, See, I turned off of Romans, and now i got to go back. Do I have it up there? Praise the Lord. You're doing good, Derek. Because the law worketh wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. I want you to think about this this statement for a minute. It says, for where no law is, there is no transgression. But the previous of it says that the law worketh wrath. And that's kind of a um, maybe an oxymoron kind of statement if you think about that. Unless you've been on the other side of the law, uh, if for some of us, we won't, we'll, we won't talk about that. But uh, Romans three eighteen through twenty says this: "There is no fear of God before their eyes." It's talking about the wicked man. It says, "Now we know that what what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh." be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so, you know, God uh, has put a conscience in our hearts. He's given us creation. But he also gave some, gave us something that our whole judicial system is based on. He gave us the Ten Commandments. Uh, whether, you know, our society or our culture wants to say that's what it came from, that's what it came from. Uh, and so the that law or that his word tells us uh, because just like Jonathan put today okay maybe you hadn't killed anybody you know maybe you haven't you know been an adulterer I guarantee everybody in has told a lie at some point yeah I guarantee you everybody in here has put something above God at some point uh, we've all been guilty of one and if you're guilty of one and the book of James says that we're guilty of all and so You know, the law is to point us to that. Romans 7.10 says this, For I was alive, and if you ever read Romans 7, you know, it's kind of like watching a tennis match or a a ping pong match where it goes back and forth between uh, the law and the the spirit. It says, For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. And the commandment, which was ordained to life, I found to be unto death because I couldn't keep the law. Even Paul couldn't keep it. Galatians 3.10 says this, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So, if you failed once, one time, you're guilty. And we all have failed multiple times and so we're all guilty the law tells us that and that was the same way it was for the nation of Israel all those laws and if you read the book of Leviticus that was all to point them to the fact that they couldn't keep it no matter how good they were Second Chronicles we've been studying about even the priests and the Levites couldn't do it you know the people that were supposed to be the leaders couldn't keep the law any more than the people could because we're all fallen and so You know, the equation, the math equation for this is no law equals no transgression. And so, you think about when you're, you know, going down the road, if there's no stop signs and there's no speed limit, then you can't, by the law, you can't be stopped for anything because there's nothing there. There's nothing to point you to the fact that you've broken the law. Right? So... And, you know, you can't say I didn't see it. You know, you can. But, you know, they're probably going to say, well, it was right here. Um, but if it's not there and it never got put up, then you can't be guilty of anything. And so without the law, now the law is not, not going to justify anybody, but it's going to point us to the fact that we need a Savior. Uh, it's going to point us to the fact, and this is the last key we're going to have, in other words... The law was necessary to bring awareness to our fallen state and our need for the redemptive power of Christ. So without the law, then just like the nation of Israel, they knew they couldn't keep it. For us, it points us to the fact that we can't keep it either. It points us to the fact that we are sinful people in need of a Savior. Uh, Matthew 5.17 says this, that, uh, think not, and this is Jesus speaking, that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. You know, we as in our 21st century Laodicea want to think, you yeah, we can just do away with that Old Testament. You know, we're living under the grace, you know, period of the church age of grace, and we're just going to take our New Testament. Christ said he came to fulfill it. To the jot and to the tittle. He came to fulfill it. And he came to show us that we can. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2, and this is a continuation of what we read earlier. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He authored it. He finished it. You know, he finished it. And so for us, we need to understand that we, we're not able to finish it. you ever had something? My son has just got a new video game. Uh, and he's, you know, playing this game over and over, fighting these different bosses. And, you know, as you get to the end of each level, and, you know, he's dying like 40 and 50 times in a row. And then he's getting on YouTube and all these other places trying to cheat to find out how to, how to beat this boss, right? We're kind of like that. You know, we, uh, in, on, in our flesh, without the help of a Savior, try to run through life and keep hitting the brick wall because we can't do it on our own. We can't do it on our own. So, you know, I want you to bow your heads, and we're going to just think about to so reflect on some things for a minute. Uh, we'll have a time of invitation. Um, you know, I would ask us a few questions. I say, have we, you know, first thing, if you realized in your life and, you know, for each person here that you personally are in need of a Savior, you know, can we point to a specific time in our lives when we made that decision to confess our sins and acknowledge Jesus as Lord? And I'm not saying you have to know the exact date, I'm not saying that you have to know the time, but there should be a time where we can all look back and say uh, that we put our faith and trust in Christ. If we haven't done that, then we're going to give you an opportunity in just a minute to do that. Question two, you know, are we surrounding ourselves with some sanctified men and women to help us walk in our faith? Are we still hanging around the wrong crowd even though we're saying that we're followers of Christ? Number three, are we daily taking up our cross and laying down the sinful acts of our flesh? You know, are we trying to live like the world during the week and then... On Sunday morning, we're putting on our Sunday best uh, and and playing a game. And lastly, you know, after self-examination, do we get caught up in the things we do instead of what Jesus has already done? Uh, You know, is it all about us and our faith and what we do on a weekly basis or a daily basis for the Lord? Or is it what the Lord has done through us?